Don't know today on Eagle Eyes on Tech. HP Printer Karma has finally caught up with them with a lawsuit. We'll get into the details of that. Microsoft is laying off a large chunk of their gaming staff. Apple will allow third-party stores in the EU, but the costs are dire. And Pal World has managed to stir all of the controversy. All that and more come today on Eagle Eyes on Tech. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or it's 2 a.m. Go to bed already. This is Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. It feels kind of weird, you know? I don't know why. I can't explain why. We are still... Like, I still feel like we're in, like, the pre-CES era where it's just like, oh, there's not a whole lot of news. There's not a whole lot to talk about. We're, like, two weeks past CES and just, like, News, for whatever reason, feels slow, but there has been so much going on in the gaming world that it's actually picking up the pace. It's filling in those gaps. That being said, though, how many of you have ever used an HP printer? Mm-hmm. I see. I see. Put your hands down. I can't see them. What, what are you doing? Just about anyone has either have had the misfortune of working with an HP printer that has problems or know someone who has. HP printers, the inkjet department I can't really speak for. I just know the inkjet department. Here's my philosophy, okay? Inkjet printers have one job, and they suck at it. Inkjet printers quite possibly are the one electronic product in the world that cause far more problems than they solve. Without a shadow of a doubt, they are awful. It is the main reason why, when I do have a printer, I prefer to spend the extra and get a laser jet. Okay? Now, HP laser jets are both good and bad. They're very reliable, well-supported, and seem to last pretty much forever. The downside is that they have some tomfoolery going on, one of which is the fact that their toner cartridge, that's the part that actually has the the ink in big air quotes in it, also contains another part called the drum. And you have to replace both at the same time. That's that's a little terrible, all right? That 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 that's a pretty douchey move on HP's part. The other part is the fact that they have a chip in it. So if you try to go ahead and get a third party Cartridge. These are on modern ones, by the way. The old HPs. If you're lucky enough to have an HP laser printer from 2004, you keep that thing. It is going to last forever and isn't smart enough to check to see if you put in a third-party cartridge. And people are still making third-party cartridges because that sucker will never die. It is going to be, in the apocalypse, it's going to be you, your lead bunker that you use to survive, your Twinkies, your pet cockroach, and your HP laser jet 4. That is what's going to survive the apocalypse, but I digress. One of the other big problems, besides the chipping of cartridges, and I go through this example to show where I've been in the printer world, but I know in the inkjet world, HP chips their cartridges as well. One of the things I know HP does in the inkjet world is this 
awful thing that actually, actually feels like it should be illegal called a subscription model. This was something I actually encountered from my father, in fact, where these HP printers would require you to pay a subscription on the hardware you own. By the way, I am not making this up. You have to pay a monthly subscription on the inkjet printer that constantly malfunctions that you own. And if you stop paying the subscription, the printer refuses to work on the printer that you bought and paid for. And if anything ever goes wrong with the hardware or software to detect whether you paid the subscription or not, the printer is bricked and useless. If you ever want to know why people say they never ever recommend HP printers, this is why. It is this awful mentality of preventing users from having any choice in ink. You are basically railroaded into having to use HP ink, but then on top of that, things like the subscription program, which admittedly gives you free ink, but is it really free when I'm paying you $15 a month? No, it's it's called robbery. That's 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 robbery. Well, there is finally some pushback on this. HP is facing a class action lawsuit for many different practices. The primary one being the chipping of ink cartridges and requiring to use only their ink cartridges. And this is being filed as an anti-competitive measure. Here's what I want to know. What took you so long? I know the wheels of justice move slowly, but holy cow, this has been going on for years. HP has been doing this on and off again for something like what, since 2016? It's insane. But you know, huzzah, huzzah, HP is facing some payback. Here's the downside though. It means that those of us that are in the used market now gotta know in the back of our heads, if we're going and shopping for used printers, that in fact, HP printers from the year 2018 to 2023, um, basically are never buys. You know, much like MacBook Pros of any year starting with a two. But you know, what do I know? You just go ahead and do what you need to do. Meanwhile, though, over in La France, Amazon is facing some new fines. These ones are mildly amusing just for the simple fact that it's um a little bit of a, really? No, I, I had no idea. I was about to say something else, but I can't swear. France has fined Amazon $35 million over excessive worker surveillance. France. Okay. First off, shout out to the French government. You, you have definitely won the Captain Obvious Award for the month, okay? You, you won it, okay, congratulations. Uh, your check of $5 and an animal cracker and a dunce cap will be sent to you via DHL, probably, or not at all. But man, nobody tell the French about this other company. It's called Google. If you think Amazon excessively has surveillance on their workers. Wait till you see 
how all Google employees in La France operate. Oh man, they might actually drop. I was gonna say their tea. No, what what would, what would the stereotypical French drink be that they drop and gasp? Would it be wine? Chastain cheese. <laughs> they have dropped their cheese-covered baguettes in fear. Chastain champagne baguettes. The point is, is that um, let's see if France follows this up with any other ones. Because um, don't get me wrong, I agree. The amount of surveillance that Amazon has on their workers is uh, kind of insane, which also makes me wonder um, how much footage do they have of the uh, the the release bottle incidents with their drivers? Uh, like Amazon's is excessive. Okay, someone in chat says Orwellian. Oh no 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 no! I would say if on a scale of one to ten. Five being there's a couple of cameras in the workplace for security and is acceptable. One is there is no surveillance whatsoever and employers should probably go and walk the grounds a few times. I would say Amazon is about an eight. Okay. They're way higher than they need to be. And it's on the point of being invasive, but compare it to Google, compare it to Apple, compare it to Microsoft. Oh my God. Those ones are Orwellian. Like, don't get me wrong. Amazon deserves this fine. 100% they ever deserved this fine. Uh, maybe even double that fine. I just want to see what France does when they realize just how bad the other tech giants are. Or how, uh, heck, how about Facebook? <laughs> how about Facebook? Uh, don't nah, fa Facebook couldn't, can't be actually monitoring their employees that much. If they did, they'd leak it out already by accident because Facebook is just a absolute top tier of everything went bad with the podcast. We were having some technical difficulties. Well, <laughs> okay, we got over it. Now, I apologize to the live chat. They had um, some issues brought up with uh, technical difficulties here. Okay, I think we fixed the uh, technical difficulties there. All right. The point is, is that the French have no idea just how bad it might be. With that said then, let us then turn to Florida, America's favorite state to wonder, what are you? We're still pretty sure they are a floating peninsula made up entirely of alligators. But I digress. Florida is looking to push forward a bill that would make a lot of people question whether it's a good idea or not. But I'm going to ask the question that very few are. Okay. Right now, you have to understand here in the US, we are currently going into an election year. Okay. So the instant anything that is potentially political comes up, Everyone immediately begins to point at just how it can be used to make someone else look bad. I, however, want to keep the position of looking at something for what it is. So when I see a headline like the Florida House of Representatives has passed a bill that would ban children under 16 from using social media, I then look at this from a open-minded standpoint where I go, you know, considering the amount of hot garbage that's on social media, 
this isn't the worst idea in the world. I don't know if I'd go as far as banning per se, but here's what I would have to ask. How are you going to enforce that? No, seriously, how? Because let me tell you, it has been to one extent or another, not allowable for, you know, for, you know, young kids under the age of 18 to look at pornography. Let me tell you, as a as someone who once was a kid under the age of 18 with access to the internet, trust me, we found a way every single time. And when one roadblock came up, by God, we found a way around it. And let me tell you, as technology has advanced, it has not become harder to find workarounds. It has become easier. Well, that's fine. We, we heard from Utah. They went ahead and required porn sites to, to have IDs. You can't fake an ID. We'll just make it so the kids have to submit their IDs so that we then know they're above the age of 16 in order to access Facebook. Let me stop you there. Okay. Because quite possibly that might be the world's dumbest suggestion ever. You know how pornography sites have actually ceased functioning inside of the state of Utah because they required you to, they required pornography sites to store IDs for accounts and they don't want the liability. Yeah, no. Requiring these sites, especially Facebook. Can you imagine? Let's pretend Facebook had a copy of your actual driver's license or your ID. Okay. Let's pretend that Facebook had it. Do you have any idea how quickly everyone else would also have a copy of that ID? It's not even funny. Okay. Facebook is so insecure as a platform. We make jokes about it every other bloody week on this podcast. Lately, we just haven't had a reason to because <laughs> let's be honest, it's way funnier making fun of Facebook for the fact they have a VR platform where no one has legs. I'm just saying it's the year flipping what 2024 Facebook hasn't figured out legs in a VR space. And you're going to trust them to keep a hold of I identifiers. I just, I don't get it, but let me tell you this. All right. Here's, let me be real with you for a second. Okay. This bill is only passed the house. It still has to get past the state Senate and then it has to be signed by the governor. This is an election year. There is no way they're going to pass something as drastic as this, this year, simply because they are not going to go ahead and let the opponents of said state senators or the governor, I don't know if the governor is up for election this year or not, but there's no way the state senators are willing to go ahead and have their opponent run. The Politician X wants your kids to not be able to talk to their friends online. The ad writes itself. I don't think it's going to go anywhere. I think it's, I think it's going to get to the set. I'm surprised it got past the house, but I think it's just going to get to the Florida state Senate and it's going to die there. But that is just my opinion. We'll keep a, a kind of eye on it, but I got a feeling, you know, uh, no one's going to really talk about it. With that being said though, let's instead turn our attention to the other social giant in the world. And that is media. Disney wants to go ahead and one up meta in the VR space. Okay. How are they going to do this? Okay. 
how can Disney laugh at Meta when it comes to the VR space? See, Disney, when they looked at VR, figured out what Meta's one weakness is, what Facebook's one weakness is, and it is, just like I said, its legs. Disney is showcasing a prototype hollow tile floor, a floor that can detect if you are walking on it, and its texture is such a way that you get stability and will allow you to basically move and run in place. First off, I cannot wait until someone loses their balance on this and falls on their face, and then for Disney to blame the user. Second, why? <laughs> why? Look, I get that um, this is one step closer to actually bringing immersion to a VR space. I get that. But who is this for? And why Disney? Why Disney of all, all people? It's just... I don't know. It seems kind of weird. Someone in chat says rich, rich folks without kids. I think someone else in chat ha has the correct answer. It's for park attractions. That would make sense. I don't know. All I can tell you though, for sure, is that if you are sick of VR like I am, like to the point where I keep wondering, but why? Why would you do that? Who, who is this for? Who would... What is the target audience for this? Just keep in mind, everyone is banking on this now. Facebook is placing their entire company stakes on VR. Apple is getting into the game with a hilariously overpriced headset that is either selling gangbusters or has manufacturing problems, but it definitely has support problems. We talked about that last week, how the Apple Vision Pro is launching without like basically any core apps on it other than Safari that'll be weird and even disney a company that manufactures mickey mouse patents is getting into the vr space it's strange but all we can do now is wait and see how things go next up though we have new realities new reality lab who is advancing their own ar capabilities now, Reality Labs is a division of Meta. And once again, as you can see from the picture, Meta is still focused on hands. They really like those hands. Not sure what to do about legs, but they got hands. Cap Chat keeps men mentioning uh, some tr getting uh, Tron, making Tron, Tron VR. Hmm. Now, some of the capabilities that Reality Labs is showing off here is the ability, first off, for accurate projection of fictional things on top like they went ahead and demonstrated they were able to pixel perfectly replace a falling cart down some stairs with a cartoon version of the exact same cart and you couldn't tell which that is impressive technologically speaking that is very impressive to do to show reality actual reality and then overlay something over actual reality to the point where you think something that is reality or something that, that you think isn't reality because it's drawn over, but it actually is. That is impressive. Be able to have that kind of real-time matchup. And one might be wondering, what's the point of that? There really isn't, other than to say that they have that kind 
of fast real-time tracking. So we'll see how that ends up down the road. It's that kind of stuff, though. Imagine seeing, like, God. I can't, I can't like, a couple of things that pop my mind, I can't even say. They're just kind of weird. Anyway, we should change topics anyway. Let's talk about the day before. How many of you remember the day before? I'm willing to bet a lot of you probably forgot about them. The day before is a... Well, they... <laughs> they advertise themselves as a zombie survival MMO. But there was a bunch of red flags during their development. And, um, well, when they finally did launch... They delivered nothing of what they promised. It wasn't an MMO. It was actually a extraction shooter that barely worked. And the, the studio involved with it ended up shutting down. And then refunds were issued via Steam to everyone who ordered the, the blasted game. So why are we talking about this? This sounds like a pretty open and shut case. Developer went ahead and lazily put out trailers that had nothing to do with the game did a bait and switch at the very end company went under shockingly quickly they went under two days after the launch and then after that everyone got their money back from steam because steam was just like yeah no we we can't allow this to happen why am i mentioning them because they're back they are back why i don't know but they are back they came back and decided, you know, we should defend ourselves. Studio Fantastic, with only one A, insisted that the reason their game was shut down was because of bloggers and bad actors out there that kept spreading lies about the game. Folks, first off, I thought your studio was shut down. Why are you defending yourself? Second... I know you tried to, they went ahead and tried to delete the evidence as quickly as they could. All the evidence that they tried to sell something that wasn't an extraction, extraction shooter. Okay. They tried to do everything in their power not to show all the lies they tried to sell. But here's the thing. We have re-uploads. My memory is bad, but it ain't that bad. We all remember. We all remember exactly the kind of bill of goods that was being sold. And what's even better is that news sites, bloggers, YouTube personalities, all these things, in fact, documented everything involving the day before. Oh, but it's because of those guys that documented exactly what happened. That's why you went under. Oh, what is your end game here? Were you going to start the studio back up after you've gone who knows how many dollars in debt? Like, the game could not be any more of a failure. They made exactly zero dollars on the game. Whatever they spent trying to make the game is, is what their debt is. What is your end game here? To try and tell every critic that they were liars so you can restart the thing? Dude, your company is over. Your reputation is done. All you're doing now is making it less likely people are going to forget what the day before is. You know what happened when I said, have you heard of the day before? Chat just started joking about, you mean the day after, the day after the day before? The day before tomorrow? The day after yesterday? 
Someone in chat asked Elon, what's your end game for Twitter? I don't know what his end game for Twitter is, but at least Twitter has a future. Admittedly, not a very bright one. It has a future. Studio Fantastic does not. <laughs> they just don't. The studio is shut down. It's gone. It's like, I'm trying to think of a good analogy that doesn't involve like death and possibly not being, and possibly being pulled from certain podcasting outlets i just can't think of one i just can't it's beyond bizarre that they're going to this lengths to defend themselves when it's over i i don't understand nobody understands but it is what it is we're gonna take our first break here when we come back I'm having some problems here with my so software here someone in chat asked does anyone want to understand you know, that is honestly a very good question. I really, really don't know. When we come back, I want to talk about the Microsoft layoffs. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. So this story is weird, but it's very it's very interesting what the reaction is, okay? So, Microsoft just went ahead and bought Activision Blizzard, right? That deal has finally gone through. We no longer have that in the news. It's done. You know, GG, right? Well, here's the thing that always happens, right? Whenever you have a big company buying another company of similar size you end up having layoffs that end up happening. This is normal as redundant jobs are cut out, all right? So when you hear that, in fact, shortly after the $69 billion acquisition of Activision Blizzard, which is kind of nice, but kind of not really, Microsoft lays off 1,900... 1,900 staff from their video games workforce. It's a lot. And in fact, a lot of teams saw key members go. What it appears to be this time around is that there were a lot of redundant jobs that were eliminated, but, but they also went ahead and snuck in some other normal layoffs in here and hoped no one would notice in addition one of the people going is mike yabara the ceo of blizzard blizzard fans let me tell you something some interesting stuff's going on there current ceo of blizzard out bobby kotick the man who has been blamed for almost all the problems at activision blizzard out so you got the guy that's been overseeing a lot of the problems at Blizzard being gone. And you have the guy causing all the problems at Blizzard because of his blatant greed gone. This is great news, isn't it? This is great. The dawn of a new Blizzard, right? Well, it's too early to tell for now. One of the things that a good sports analysts will tell you okay getting rid of a coach doesn't matter 
you shouldn't get rid of a coach or a player based on how good their performance is. You should get rid of a coach or player based on can you replace them with someone better? And that is a very important measurement to go by. We know that people from Xbox are going to be in charge of, of Activision Blizzard. We've known that from the get-go. That's why we've known since before the deal was going through that Kotick was going to be gone. Even though far too many people trying to think they know how to go ahead and report on things clearly don't. They're just like, we don't know if Bobby Kotick's going on. We don't know if Bobby Kotick's going on. We knew Bobby Kotick was going to be gone since the deal was first, 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 pushed forward. We've known this. You're all stupid. I'm being really distracted because I just keep hearing knocking from upstairs and I don't know why at 11 p.m. I'm not being that loud, but in any case, someone in chat said they wanted to borrow some sugar. I'm sorry, but at 11 at night, you're getting nothing. Just saying. But anyway, what's interesting about all this, the response has been universal. That Microsoft is just looking to cut jobs. They cut all these poor, innocent jobs away from hardworking families. Just one more massive layoff. Microsoft's just giving in to the trend and just cutting staff for the purpose of cutting staff. Bro, if you could just read the situation, you could see the most of it is, in fact, just resizing Activision Blizzard to be part of the, the Xbox family. That's what the majority of this is. There are some, admittedly, that Microsoft is sneaking in here hoping to have it fly under the radar of just cutting some jobs for the sake of cutting costs, despite the fact they are now a $3 trillion company. And that's one thing you see a lot of the reporters focus on the most. They are a $3 trillion company and they're cutting costs. Oh my God, those devilish, devilish, terrible, awful, no good devils. A lot of this is expected. Some of this, was unnecessary but i gotta say the fact that nobody and i do mean quite literally almost nobody is pointing out the fact that mike yabara is out that mike yabara is stepping down how is no one talking about this like am, am i the one taking crazy pills right now are you kidding me what is going on <laughs> now one of the main reasons that Mike Yabara is leaving, admittedly, he, he resigned, by the way. He wasn't axed. A million bad if he was axed. More people would be talking about this. Mike Yabara resigned. People are speculating because Mike Yabara has been a longtime employee at Blizzard, but also used to work for Xbox before then. There is some fairly wise speculation saying that, you know, maybe Mike Yabara just didn't want to work from his for, for his former employer. That's probably it. But either way, what is far more interesting though, is in fact that during all this, Riot Games, the makers behind the salt joiner known as League of Legends, eliminated 11% of their workforce. 530 people were eliminated from Riot. In addition, 
one of the reasons that these roles are being eliminated is first off downsizing or as they probably say it right sizing but also it is because they had a plan for a while for outside developers to go ahead and try to make interesting games using the league of legends universe this program is being killed entirely the entire program is being axed riot is going to stick to what they're doing currently they're going to focus on pretty much the only thing they work on i'm sure riot does a few other things but let's be honest you only know you only know riot for league of legends that's it someone in chat said that that um that's the wrong audience for trying to go ahead and get people to uh, make things for, for Riot. You never ask Nike to make a fridge or a toaster. I'm pretty sure I can find a large fridge. I, w I want to say there actually has been times where Nike has made a fridge or a toaster. <laughs> also, Razor, where's my toaster? We actually, there is a, there, funny enough, there is an Xbox toaster. There is an Xbox fridge. A real fridge, not just the... Uh, the little itty bitty nothing toaster or itty bitty nothing fridge. Xbox actually has, <laughs> actually has a fridge. It's like a little apartment fridge. It's hilarious. <laughs> I want to say it was actually like reasonably priced too. Like it wasn't like enjoy the $500 fridge based on a $200 fridge. It was only like 240 or something like that. It was a little more expensive than a fridge of that size, but I mean, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a, someone in chat said it's tiny. Yeah, it's, it's a tiny fridge. It is very much a tiny fridge. It's still really funny that it was done. But yes, riots, letting go people. Here's what I got to say about that. I am willing to bet the majority of those that were terminated had nothing to do with that little project. I guarantee it. Cause that was 10% of the workforce. You are not going to tell me that 10% of the staff at Riot had anything to do with trying to develop fan projects. There is no way. I guarantee you some of those people were eliminated simply because they have been there too long and they needed to cut costs. I guarantee it. That's what we're seeing a lot right now. Tons upon tons of layoffs. But... That's enough of that depressing topic. Let's instead talk about the depressing topic going on across the pond. Let me set the stage for this, okay? The European Union has put out a law that says that platforms like Apple's iPhone operating system must support third-party app stores and sideloading, okay? They have to. They have no choice. So we've been... Anyone who knows how Apple works, you cannot access the file directory of the iPhone by any normal means. You can't just, like on an Android phone, hook up your phone via USB to your computer and just move app files around. You don't have that access on an iPhone. The phone is locked down pretty much as iron tight as it can be. So how would Apple make the iPhone comply? Now your assumption 
might be what my first assumption is. They won't, and then try to go ahead and just challenge the law. Oh no. What Apple did is way, way, way funnier. I'm not going to lie. It's actually hilarious. So here's what happens, okay? Right now, if you are an app developer and you try to sell your app through the Apple App Store, the only thing you pay is 30% of your earnings are kept by Apple as their cut. And that cut includes all the transaction fees, all of, uh, all of the everything, okay? That, that includes everything. 30%, 30% goes to you, or 30% goes to Apple. You keep 70% of each sale. So if I sell, say, Meme Saga 69, an RPG Maker game on iOS for a dollar, I keep 70 cents, Apple gets 30 cents. And then that 70 cents goes to my, my paying uh, assistant developers, programmers, payroll, whatever else there is to running this app, okay? That 30% is a lot, okay? But if you want to open up a third-party app store on Apple's, by the way, there's no way to sideload as far as we can tell. Apple has not done anything to address sideloading. Oh, no, no, no. But if you want to go ahead and install another store, you can do so. It appears that the only way you'll download said store is through the App Store. But if you want to open a store, you need to first provide a million dollars to Apple and it'll be held onto as a credit to ensure that you can financially support opening up a store already. Already we've jumped the shark and I've only just begun, okay? Apple takes then a 27% transaction fee for any purchases made on this other app store. And then in addition, after any app on a third-party app store is past a certain, um, the certain threshold, I believe it's like a million dollars in revenue Apple then institutes a, what are they calling it exactly? I actually don't think this article I picked even covers it, but they call it like a storage processing fee of 50 cents. Stop me if you heard this 50 cents per install of the app. That's what EU compliance looks like. It looks like a complete utter nightmare. If you thought Apple is going to go ahead and just allow their walled garden to be walked all over. Let me tell you something. You are hilariously wrong. Oh no. They're not going down without a fight. And of course, because of all of this, okay? <laughs> Think about this for a second. Apple still, in fact, has total control over their ecosystem because if they go ahead and find any infringing app on a third-party store that doesn't comply with whatever Apple feels like, they can threaten to shut down the third-party store and hold the million dollars. I'm just going to file this whole thing under the file of reasons why I don't take Apple fanboys seriously. 
because man, between this and just the user experience of actually using an iPhone that I've recently had, I don't know how Apple users function. I really don't. And it's hard to look at moves like this and say, yeah, that's, that's within Apple's rights. This is not within Apple. I mean, it is within Apple's rights, I suppose, I guess, but it doesn't seem like it's compliant with the law all that much. But it definitely does have a very strong taste of malice. It's hard to go ahead and look at this and say, yeah, that's a cool thing for them to do. Meanwhile, though, let's talk about Beeper Mini. Remember Beeper Mini? Well, Beeper Mini, for those of you who don't remember, because it's, it's been a while since we talked about Beeper Mini, they were a messaging service on Android in which they found ways to work around the walled garden of Apple and make it so that they could message other iPhones on the iMessage protocol. This means that, in fact, if you use Beeper Mini and message someone with an iPhone, your bubbles would appear blue. This may not seem like a big deal to most people, but oh my God, to those Apple snobs out there, to those elite out there, they turn their nose up at those pathetic green bubble Android users. But what ended up happening is that Beeper Mini has kind of shut down because every single workaround for them trying to get working on iOS, on Android failed. And in fact, they are starting to find out that anyone that used Beeper Mini may have accidentally gotten their accounts banned by Apple. Isn't that great? So if you want to head and use Beeper Mini, there's a chance that your iMessage account no longer functions. Apple says they are looking into restoring functionality. This was all caused by a bug that was found thanks to the bug that Beeper Mini used to try and get in. But, you know, it's Apple. How long do you think that they're going to spend trying to fix said bug? Not long at all. Meanwhile, though, we need to shift gears. Wait, do we need to shift gears? No, I knew my stuff was out of order. Okay, there we go. All right, fixed a little problem I ha had there with the ordering. All right. While Apple's doing all this, though, there is an update coming to iOS, and that is Siri getting everyone's new favorite feature in everything. Can you guess what the feature is? I'll give you a hint. It's two letters. It starts with an A and ends in an I. Are you really surprised? Yeah, no. Siri is supposed to be getting generative AI functionality. And this is going to be introduced in this year's WWDC, which would make sense considering the fact that Apple is always fashionably late to any new hot trend that refuses to go away just to make sure that it has staying power. And by God, generative AI, even though consumers uh, still have no idea what it's for. I think it's safe to say, isn't it? Does anyone know what you can do with AI? Like, that's the big question. Like, there's a lot of cool little demos you can do, all kinds of quirky little meme things you can do with AI. But the practical uses, besides cheating on an essay exam, seem to be small. Or then again, you could also use AI to just launch a competitor to Dextero, seeing as how Dextero is nothing but just uh, written articles about Reddit posts. I swear, Dextero now... I think has four staff members 
and two of them just browse Reddit and then just take a Reddit post and plug it into an AI model. Like, it's not even subtle just how bad Dextero is. You notice that none of my sources that ever show up here are from Dextero. Like, none. None of them. So yeah, Siri gonna go ahead and get generative AI capabilities. So we're seeing Siri get this. We're seeing Amazon's probably gonna get this. That's expected to be a functionality on the newer Alexa devices, maybe for a monthly subscription, but we don't know yet. That's just reported. We do know that Google's, Google's um, assistant's gonna get it. So that's gonna be the new thing. We'll have to see, but if you were hoping that Apple was going to be the one that the, I mean, Apple, the freaking computer company that has been all for artistry since that has been all about supporting artists since their inception. No, they're also going to get into generative AI for better or for worse. Meanwhile, though, Google is proving that AI generated video can be horrifically scary good. Like, it is no joke just how good of the videos it has actually been able to generate with this new system that they call Lumiere. Like, it is just straight up impressive what these videos are, because they look normal. Normally, AI-generated video has, has, like, a very artsy look to it. Like, you're just taking tons of different art styles, frame by frame by frame, and it, and it looks like some kind of artsy collage these videos that lumiere is making are not there's some problems you can tell with them obviously there's always going to be some little artifacting here and there but one thing we keep saying again and again and again when it comes to ai this technology is only going to get better and i keep saying this technology is not there yet if this technology works as they're advertising like it's there and it's not gonna lie it's kind of impressive what i do want to know though will these videos be able to tell me whether in fact the ai can tell whether that dress was white and gold or black and blue i still have no idea i don't think anyone has any idea now as someone else mentioned these are hand-picked examples oh yeah they are all we can do now is wait and see if it is as good as they said it is. Speaking of which, I want to talk about the Rabbit. The Rabbit R1, which was a CES device that was actually not at CES, but stole the CES spotlight anyway because people were sheep. That was basically a Tamagotchi with an AI-powered assistant built into it that no one could tell you exactly what it was for. Well... Some people have begun using it, just got it, and found out a horrifying truth. The Rabbit 1 takes 20 seconds from when you enter the prompt to respond. And you might think 20 seconds, that's nothing. Now, the fun part is, is that I could just give you a dead silence for 20 seconds and let you realize just how long that is. But... The unfortunate thing is that this podcast now uses a program that just cuts out all the silence. So instead, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 
11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. That is how long it takes to go ahead and have this device take your prompt, send it up to the AI cloud, the, the, the generative AI bot, process it, and send it back down to the device, which then raises an important question again. Why on earth are we going ahead and sticking with a hardware device to do this? Why is this not an app? Seriously, this has been a question that everyone has had. And considering the fact that we know there is no onboard compute to go ahead and do the AI processing, because of course, the thing's the size of a Funko Pop, why are we doing this? And I don't know the answer. It is very, very bizarre to me. It would be totally different if the mobile processor on that had enough AI processing power that it was doing it locally. But unfortunately, because it has to talk to the cloud, because the very nature of AI is that it has to go ahead and go to a trained model that, ha that has been trained on, God, how many megawatts of GPUs? Hundreds? I don't think anyone even knows. Well, someone knows. Not me, though. All I know is that I could have been using one of those to play Crisis, and instead it's writing someone's rabbit girl fan fiction somewhere. And could have been used to play Crisis. Instead, it's doing that. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, AMD is getting into the AI game. We still have a bit more AI news to come get to, including PAL World. We have to talk about PAL World. And the... The controversy surrounding it is fascinating. We'll get over why. We'll be back. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. If you thought that NVIDIA was going to be the only one to go ahead and get into the AI chip making game, man, I got bad news for you. AMD, in fact, has just shipped out and finished their own AI chip competitors, the Instinct MI300X AI GPUs which is now a direct competitor and the closest competitor to AI, to NVIDIA's AI chips. Now you might think, oh, now AMD's in this whoop-dee-doo. You don't understand, okay? You wanna know why NVIDIA gaming graphic cards have been so bloody expensive? You wanna know why anything with NVIDIA's name on it has been basically considered unaffordable, whether you are in the consumer market or the, or a lot of professional markets, it is because of these AI chips. Someone in chat asked, what is an AI chip? An AI chip is basically a graphics card chip, but it's specifically tuned and only takes a little bit of tuning 
to go ahead and make it ideal for the compute that is required for large language models or generative AI, as we normally call it. NVIDIA has had basically a monopoly on this for pretty much all of 2023. And because of this, anytime NVIDIA went ahead and thought, you know, maybe we should lower the price so they're more affordable for these graphic cards. They're like, no, because if we lower it any lower than that, we'd rather just turn that RTX 4070 into an A104 AI chip. We're literally at a point with these artificial intelligence graphic cards that the cream of the crop, the best of the best, is sold to power these massive AI farms that no one can figure out what good the technology is actually doing right now at this moment, besides making models about how it could be good down the, down the road, but fails to show why it's useful now, as it goes ahead and makes more mistakes than that disappointing cousin you have, you know the one. And then the rest of us, whether it be a professional GPU to go ahead and power an MRI or to go into a server that edits videos or go into a workstation that encodes this broadcast here into something everyone can watch, we get the scraps. And I don't mean that metaphorically. I mean that literally. We literally get what's left. And NVIDIA has been charging nearly a 1,000% markup on this monopoly. This has been going on for months. Longtime listeners of the podcast, of course, know this, but of course, you get new listeners all the time, or returning listeners all the time. So you do have to explain these things. The fact that AMD now has a chip out there to directly punch against NVIDIA is huge because finally finally someone is able to land a punch against nvidia and actually make their lip bleed you have microsoft out there that's trying to make some ai chips you got you got ibm making some ai chips they're nothing compared to what nvidia out there out there has if this amd chip can go ahead and punch nvidia and actually make it hurt good because by god this space needs competition because quite frankly the way nvidia has been handling themselves is inexcusable and the worst part is i want to talk about something else i actually completely did i even talk about this one i think i talked about this when it first came out but this is actually a decision i personally recently made okay so for those who don't know my setup here for my streams and this podcast is two computers. One is a gaming desktop that it does the job. It's pretty good. And that's currently rocking. I forgot what GPU is actually in there right now, but it doesn't matter. What matters in there is that it just has a basic gaming GPU, not even the most current one. It's like a generation old. The, my other computer is the one that actually processes the stream. It actually powers everything. It is the streaming computer. It runs two 12-core Xeon CPUs, so 24 cores total, 64 gigabytes of RAM, 
and it used to run an a GTX 1660 that I got before the pandemic. And because that didn't have the proper outlets, it also had a AMD Radeon Fire P2000 or something like that. It was, it was just a random low powered 60 watt GPU that just powered the extra screens that the 1660 couldn't because it had the wrong IO. The fan on the 1660 recently died. I had to replace it. And I did replace it. And unfortunately, that set back uh, the budget a little bit. But, you know, you do what you have to do. It's welcome to the world of streaming. Do you know what card I picked? There is a program within Twitch called... Uh, I forgot what the program was called. But basically, what it does is that it lets you power your own encoder. If you are accepted in this program... If you have a certain GPU capability, primarily being an AV1 encoder, you can go ahead and do your own transcoding locally, control the settings, control the quality, and send that out so that your stream always has quality options and that they're always good quality options. And they're low latency quality options. Guess what kind of GPU you need for that? You specifically need an NVIDIA... RTX 40 series GPU. And the worst part is it doesn't matter which 40 series it is. It just has to be a 40 series. NVIDIA partnered with Twitch to force streamers that want to take advantage of this capability to specifically use their latest cards. And I specifically went ahead and found the cheapest, lowest powered RTX 4060 I could and running on that now. Solely because of that. Because of NVIDIA's anti-competitive behavior. Because an AV1 encoder, every modern GPU has one. AMD has an AV1 encoder. NVIDIA, of course, has an AV1 encoder. Even the absolute kind of joke of a dedicated GPU when it launched, the Intel Arc Alchemist cards have an AV1 encoder. In fact, the in Intel Alchemist cards were the first GPUs to have an AV1 encoder. But NVIDIA, because of their anti-competitive tendencies, offered Twitch a large amount of money for this partnership. And guess what? Twitch, being an improfitable streaming company, which they recently admitted, we talked about that. We did talk about that last week, right? In an improfitable streaming company had no choice but to accept anything they could get their hands on. You want to know why I cheer a company like NVIDIA getting some good competition and losing profits? This, this is exactly why I cheer it. Someone in the chat asked, how is Twitch an improfitable streaming company? Right now, Twitch is not making a profit. Dan Clancy has come out and said so in a, in a public statement. It was shortly after the layoffs recently. When he went up and said, you know, he's grateful that Amazon's willing to go ahead and continue running the company and help support their efforts, but they had to go ahead and make these cuts to go ahead and try to get closer to being profitable. But even right now, they are not profitable. Programs like this one, try and lessen some of their costs are important to that. And that's why they're doing this. But they're trying to spin it as 
streamers going ahead and getting higher quality, which they are, but it's also to reduce costs on Twitch. What a great program. But it also kind of leaves a sting when you look at it and see, you know, they are also just getting paid from NVIDIA. In addition to that, we didn't talk about... No, that was this week too. There's actually something... There's actually some bigger news, Twitch-wise, that actually came out. I've actually got to quickly get this now. But recently, Twitter actually... Or Twitter. Twitch, the other T-based company that is always in the news, went ahead and put out some new updates. Okay? First off, I'll go and quickly get these tabs here from these sources. There we go. First things first, it's actually coming to Twitch. Okay? That is the fact that Twitch Prime subs are not worth as much to streamers as they once were. So the way it worked before, for those who don't know, if you have Amazon Prime and you linked it with your Twitch account, you get to subscribe to one streamer per month for free. It costs you no money. Streamer gets a cut of money and you enjoy their emotes, any benefits they have to streaming and ad-free viewing, okay? The amount that Twitch would get was based on whatever their cut was. So, so for example, my cut was 50-50. It still is 50-50 for that fact. So for a Twitch Prime sub, I used to get $2.50. In fact, right now I still do. Starting on June 3rd, Prime subs are going to be a flat fixed rate for how much a streamer gets for them. So now a Prime sub is not going to be worth as much as a normal sub. For example, for me, a regular $5 sub, I'll still see $2.50. For a Prime sub here in the US, I will only see $2.25. And let's pretend for a moment my channel explodes and I achieve partnership and get to the Partner Plus program where I'd get a 70-30 split, I would still only see $2.25 per Prime sub. So, that's less going out. Okay? Bit of a shame. But, there's some good news. Because one of the things they're introducing is changes to the Partner Plus program, such as a name change, for instance, as well as a new tier. So before, the Partner Plus program, if you were a first off, it was only available to partners, and they needed 350 subscription points that were not from sub gifts over three months in order to apply. This would get them a 70-30 split instead of a 30-30 split. There would also be a cap of $100,000 getting this split, and then after that, it would be 50-50. What's changing, though, is after May 1st, it goes from 300 points, or 350 points, down to 300 for the 73 split, and there's a new tier that will be 60-40 at 100 subscription points. That goes into effect May 1st. Also, the $100,000 cap is removed now. It's already put into place. So this is good news for pretty much every streamer. In addition, these two programs will be available for affiliates and partners. I'll say this much though. If you're a Twitch affiliate and you have a big enough supported community, 
to get you 100 subscription or 100 subs that are directly paying you every month for three months. How are you not a partner? Like, seriously, how? Like, that's insane. Like, that's an insane metric to meet. Granted, this is all a huge win. Someone in the chat asks, what's the catch? The only catch is that Prime subs are now worth less. That's it. The end. That's literally the only catch. Finally, though, oh, no, in my rush, I just grabbed a third tab for no reason. One other thing that was mentioned in the last kind of meet up with uh, with Dan Clancy is that they are continuing to look at ways to save on costs. One of the ways they said was that they are no longer trying to go ahead and play favorites. Back in the day, we all know this, back in the day there were specific reps that dealt with kind of the 1% of the 1% of Twitch streamers, the big the big boys, the the Ludwigs, the Asmongolds, and all those that had like dedicated contracts and offered huge sums of money to make sure their audiences stayed there. That's all gone. They are looking more at saying, we would rather these streamers not be held down by contracts. We would rather go ahead and let themselves make or break themselves without our influence and continue to just advance the platform. And quite frankly, it's kind of hard to disagree with that. If there's one thing we've noticed from watching the ninjas of the world shift platforms, watching the Ludwigs shift and all that, those streamers are big, but a large chunk of their audience doesn't follow. And to see Twitch now under the guidance of Dan Clancy, granted, at a very rocky, rocky start, but to see him going ahead and just actually getting in front of him, actually making intelligent decisions that look at the majority of Twitch rather than the top 1% of the 1% and just let the rest of us small guys to just fight for scraps. It's a breath of fresh air and I, for one, welcome it with open arms. Very much welcome it with open arms. Anyway, that was your Twitch uh, segment of the podcast that just suddenly kind of just happened in there. Let's get back to talking about the post-apocalyptic hellscape that is AI. OpenAI has had to go ahead and actually ban someone already that broke their policy regarding political interference. There was, in fact, a OpenAI bot that directly impersonated presidential candidate Dean Phillips, which I'm not going to lie. If you asked me who the heck Dean Phillips is, I couldn't tell you. I don't even know what his political affiliation is. Oh, it says right there. He's challenging Joe Biden for the Democratic Party side. There's already a bot that was trying to impersonate him. <laughs> Someone in chat said maybe he is AI generated. It's just, it's just like the influ it's just like the Instagram influencers. None of them are real. They're all fake. Oh man. God, I'd have to imagine if someone tried that. If someone tried to go ahead and run for president with a completely fictional AI generated personality and just had it all done remotely by AI, I'd have to assume it would be caught sooner, but man, I just don't know. But hey, I said originally that um, 
OpenAI probably would never ban anyone because they'd probably never detect it. So I got to admit when I was wrong, when I'm wrong, I was wrong. OpenAI did in fact ban someone that was responsible for that. That being said, though, um, apparently there are some other AI based shenanigans because there were robocalls with a deep faked Joe Biden voice telling Democrats not to vote. I also just want to comment on the fact that that's where the article stops, but it goes on to say to not vote in the Democrat New Hampshire primary. For those of you who don't understand, the primary vote is the in-party vote for who should run in the general election. So before anyone points fingers at the other side of the aisle, there's no benefit to the other side of the aisle to not have Democrats show out to vote for between Democrat A and Democrat B. There is none. Unless they put something else on the ballot, which is possible. But I digress. But I'm just saying this, okay? Remember I said this election was going to be ugly? And I'm not looking forward to having to cover the various bits of news of how technology is being used for malicious gains? Surprise! Happy nobody's happy about this day. Yay. All right, are we done talking about about all that. Let's instead talk about something that everyone is talking about. Let's talk about Pal World. First off, what is Pal World? If you have somehow been living under a rock and have no idea what Pal World is, first off, congratulations. I don't know how you did it, but by God, you have managed to find an incredible way to just fall off the grid. And for that, that actually legitimately deserves a round of applause. I'd clap louder, but we're recording this at midnight. But Pal World is a Steam and Xbox game, okay, that is very much like it's a survival game, kind of like Ark or Valheim, in which you can do all kinds of things, build structures, mine for resources, fight boss battles and all that. It's very much an open world game you can do a lot, okay? But the big thing, of course, is the kind of Pokemon-esque aspect of it. You can capture monsters that are referred to as pals in balls called pal balls. And then you can go ahead and use these for whatever you want. And also, for whatever reason, you can capture people in pal balls and they're suddenly your pal. And you can force your pals to do hard labor. Someone in chat is correcting me that it's pal spheres, not pal balls. I'm sorry. That's that's how we're getting around the uh, the, the Nintendo copyrights. Right, right, right. It's, it's those little details that are important. But the thing is, is that this um this game and their pals, the design is to say Pokemon esque is an understatement. Okay, a lot of the design aspects are almost direct rips of various design cues of existing Pokemon. Now, I believe in Pal World, there's only something like 120 existing Pals or something like that total. So there's not that many in there as there is in Pokemon where we are well over a thousand of them. Okay, someone in chat has said there are 111 of them. I'm going to take their word for it. But this game is doing incredibly well. 
it has sold something along the line along the lines of like six million copies to date. Let me actually just go to the Power World Twitter and just make sure because they have been very, very proud of this, as they should. They have every right to be very, very proud of their accomplishment because it is it's very impressive. They have sold <clears throat> as of they have sold eight million copies of the game in six days. That's crazy for an indie studio that is insane they have currently they have currently reached the record for the second most concurrent players on steam with 1.8 million concurrent players this has only been beaten by PUBG, which had a record peak of 3.2 million which was set way, way, way back in the glory days of the Battle Royale kind of hype train. You know, that whole thing. Someone in chat has, is the game fun? I don't know. I haven't played it yet. I'm not going to lie. I haven't played it yet. I, I have so much to do nowadays. I just, it's hard for me to find time to just go ahead and enjoy a game like that. I do know this. A lot of the people that I do raid streams with have been hooked on this game like nobody's business. Before raid time, they're playing Power World. After raid time, they're playing Pal World. I'm willing to bet if I go to my Discord right now and look at what's going on there, they are probably playing Pal World. I was correct. So, successful game is successful, right? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. No, just because we have a successful game does not mean we can go ahead and celebrate it. Because you see, everyone has to go ahead and look at the success of this game and figure out what's wrong. So there are a few big focus points. One of which is blatant plagiarism. A lot of people are just calling it Pokemon with guns, which as I kind of stated, the game is a survival game first, not a monster catcher RPG sort of thing. Like Pokemon is a very, very focused formula, okay? You have to follow this formula almost to a T to be considered a Pokemon game. You almost always have to have eight challenging gyms. You almost always got to have an evil team. Like there's like a formula to it. Pal World doesn't follow like any of it at all. They are much closer to being Arker Valheim than they are to Pokemon. But that being said, there are people who are also closing the, accusing of plagiarism and like I said, the design cues are very, very focused on some of the things Pokemon has done. And let's be honest, Pokemon designs are very simple, but they have a very iconic style to them. It's very much like if you ever watch Dragon Ball or Dragon Ball Z or any other Dragon Ball with number or letters and numbers behind it, you kind of notice that Dragon Ball Z style. It's because it's done. In, it's because Akira Toriyama is the primary artist for it. All the art is done in his style. But there are games that go ahead and mimic his style, either because A, Akira Toriyama is directly involved with the game, like with Dragon Quest, or B, they just really like the guy and like his style. It's the same sort of thing here with Pokemon. You have a lot of designs that are very inspired by the designers at Pokemon. But then you also have ones like what Video Games Chronicles is pointing out, 
the fact that this one pal has literally the exact same face as this one variant of Meowth. Like, exactly the same. Copy and paste. There's there's no difference. They they are the same face. Just straight up. And the body of the of the other poke of the other pal is using the exact same color scheme as Delicity. The exact same body shape as per ugly. It it really does look like something went ahead and just merged the aspects of three different Pokemon into one. Which then brings us to the last accusation. And that is AI. Pal World developers have said that they love AI. They absolutely love AI. Oh man, they even had a game that was all focused on generative AI and art generated by generative AI. That was the whole focus of the game. The game didn't do too well. But because of all the past comments about how amazing AI is, oh, it's so amazing. It's the bestest thing that ever happened. Everyone is immediately assuming that Pal World was made with AI. Let me tell you something. No one, no one has found any evidence, any real tangible evidence that Pal World was created with generative AI. There is none out there, but there are people calling for these developers to be arrested, locked up, for using a technology that's available to them. Some have even sent death threats to these developers. I don't need to tell you that wishing violence upon someone you like or dislike is not okay. And even as someone who does not like the use of generative AI for art, I cannot condone this behavior at all. And the bottom line is, there's no evidence at all. All we can do is connect some dots. I can connect the dots that this pal right here, which has a name that I don't know, but I'm sure someone who plays the game can tell me exactly what this pal is called, has aspects from many different Pokemon, and I would not be surprised at all to, to think that that was a creation of AI, and that after it was created, a model was made by hand to match what the AI made. And the fact that the developers, in fact, have a history with being pro-generative AI, it would not surprise me in the least to find out that they, in fact, did use tools. It wouldn't surprise me at all. I can connect those dots and say that, in fact, someone in chat is telling me that the name of the name of the pal that I'm referring to is called Grintail. I'm going to take their word for it because I literally don't know. Because the fact that it's grinning and has a tail, it makes sense. But I can connect all those dots and come to a conclusion that they used AI to make this happen. But in the end, it's just that. It's just a theory. It is just a theory I have made by connecting these dots. By saying that they have a history with AI and that theoretically it is possible that these designs could have been made with AI. I have no proof of that. No one has proof of that. Before you can go ahead and take anyone to court over plagiarism, you need proof. You know what's even crazier? Everyone is wondering why the Pokemon company hasn't gone ahead 
and done anything about Powell World. It's for the exact reason I just said. They have no proof. But apparently enough people have emailed the Pokemon company and told them about Powell World that they actually put out an official statement. It reads as follows. Inquiries regarding other companies' games. We have received many inquiries regarding another company's game released in January 2024. We have not granted any permission for use of Pokemon intellectual property or assets in that game. We intend to investigate and take appropriate measures to address any acts that infringe on intellectual property rights related to, to the Pokemon. We will continue to cherish and nurture each and every Pokemon and its world and will work to bring the world together through Pokemon in the future. This is from the Pokemon Company. So, this statement from the Pokemon Company clearly is a sign that they are investigating Pal World to see if, in fact, they infringed on copyright. Do you know what I see? I see the Pokemon Company trying to, trying to tell everyone to stop emailing them. Because if the Pokemon Company was, to go, was going ahead and actually do something about Pal World, they would have done something about Pal World years ago. Because Pal World has been very public about their development cycle. And it's not like Pal World is, despite the fact that people have been calling it American Pokemon because it's Pokemon with guns, Pal World is developed in Japan. Which then makes the whole plagiarism thing and why any, nothing has been done even more interesting. Because now it's no longer a foreign company trying to enforce foreign copyright on a company in the U.S. where fair use is a thing. It's no, it's no longer on that grounds. Both Power World and the Pokemon Company are in Japan. The Pokemon Company could have taken a shot at any time. But they have not. I will be stunned. I will be shocked. If the Pokemon Company actually files a lawsuit against Power World, I don't think it's going to happen. But at the same time, I would not be surprised. Things just don't line up for, for the Pokemon Company to just not have known about Power World doing all this. The only thing, here's the key thing, okay? The only way I could see pokemon company going after pal world is if they find out after the fact that pearl world did in fact use generative ai to generate these models or at least generate the constant concept art for these models and used pokemon as the training model to train these ais because then that would be information that would be available now as opposed to years ago when it was first being showcased and it would be grounds to go after them for copyright, to my knowledge. That is the other big asterisk in all this. I don't know J Japanese copyright law all that well. I know it is similar to what's in the U.S., except that fair use is not a case for anything ever in Japan. That is the end of what I know. But if you think that Nintendo and Pokemon is just oblivious to all this and didn't make any, any sort of moves whatsoever, and think that they just weren't, nah, we don't care enough. Oh, no, 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 no. Because days before this, Nintendo did in fact DMCA a modder of Pal World that did create a mod for Pal World that did just bridge the gap. Straight up replacing character models within Pal World with Ash Ketchum from the Pokemon anime and just straight up replaced models of pals 
with Pokemon. The creator of it put out a tease video that got DMCA claimed and said they were going to go ahead and release the mod the day after. After they got hit with the DMCA claim, they just said they're not going to release the mod for now. It's hard to say whether just the DMCA claim was enough to spook them because it spooked me. That's for sure. Or if there was any other, any other nasty letters that were sent as a result. But let's be honest. Simply because this exists and the fact that this happened several days before the letter from the Pokemon company came out, they knew. They've been watching this for far longer than you think. And that's why I believe the letter really is more about telling people to stop emailing the Pokemon company rather than actually launching an investigation in the PAL world. But that's just my theory. In any case, we're actually running out of time very quickly. This segment's going on really long, so we're just going to go ahead and just rapid fire through these through these next stories. First off, Intel Arrow Lake. We have some leaked slides out. The biggest news here is that this next generation Intel CPU that's coming out does not have hyper-threading. That is very surprising. We have it. We have had hyper-threading on CPU on Intel cores since roughly 2009. We actually had hyper-threading back in 2004, but then it vanished and then resurfaced in 2009 with the Nehalem processors. All hyper-threading does is that it allows one core to act as two. In fact, if I was to bring up my entire performance monitor, you would in fact see I have 24 cores on this workstation, which has 48 logical processors because it's two threads per core. That feature will in fact be missing from the next generation of Intel processors. What does that mean? I don't know. That's going to be very interesting. Is it going to matter a whole lot? Again, I don't know. I think for gaming, it won't. Since gaming is a multi-core process, but it's not a many-core process. So it may not gain a benefit from that. Next up, RTX 4070. The RTX 4070 Super launched just a while ago. Specifically, the RTX 4070 Super launched. It's not doing well. And I, for one, say good. This super refresh is welcome because it is launching process. It is launching upgraded GPUs at a lower price than they originally did. It is showing a bit of price correcting in the market. But the fact that people aren't buying these up like nobody's business is sending a sign to NVIDIA that no, we're not going to go ahead and buy these in mass numbers. And also... We're kind of at the point now where there's just nothing compelling. Literally, the only reason why I even bought a modern, a new GPU as supposed to a used one is because I needed that AV1 encoder for my, I'd say my job, but more my hobby. My hobby here is a streamer. It's a useful feature. So I went ahead and bought the cheapest one I could. That's all there is to it. I didn't go ahead and get a 4070 because it's newer and more amazing. Oh, I got a 4060 and the lowest end one I could because all I need is the encoder. That's it. And that's how a lot of people are looking at it. They're not looking for high performance right now because right now nobody can afford this nonsense. So again, good. Meanwhile, though, in the mod scene, we have two mod stories. First off, one, 
being that the RTX Remix tool is now out there, allowing anyone to go ahead and with a few tweaks, go ahead and make basically any game support DLSS, which means additional frame generation, and also allow real-time ray tracing. So, you know, good for the modders. Go ahead and add some additional quality. It'll be very, very interesting. Now, that's a very, eh, it's okay scene. On the other side of the mod scene, I have this one for you, where a Super Mario Kart modder adds a, quote, sadistic Resident Evil-style camera to Mario Kart, and then went ahead and called it the worst thing they have ever created. So what they mean by this is that as you get to different sections, the camera just jumps over to one area. And you know what? I gotta love his honesty. As someone in the chat also said, because while we talk again and again about people that never ask whether they should, but instead only ask whether they could, this guy definitely did ask first if they could. And then after they did it, went, you know, maybe, just maybe, maybe I shouldn't have. Shouldn't have done that. Speaking of things that you could do, but maybe shouldn't have done, I bring you the last burb. The last story of the day, the weirdest story of the week. I don't know how anyone discovers this, but a modder has discovered for the Game Boy Advanced that in fact, after a game crash, if you leave the Game Boy Advanced on long enough, it will play a lot of very, very strange concerning sounds. And I mean, you have to let this Game Boy sit for something along the lines of like, I want to say three hours, it's an absurdly long amount of time. Like more than any reasonable person would. Up oh, there it is. At the one hour and 50 minute mark, it'll just start playing random sounds. Except the sounds aren't random. They only sound like they are. If you record them and run them through a special filter, it will convert these seemingly random sense of digital garbage sounds into the entire ROM. And they even tested this and proved it. This was discovered by the modder the ZZAZZ glitch and could not believe that it was just this easy to go ahead if you have enough patience to just collect the entire ROM out of the headphone jack of a Game Boy Advanced. Folks, there's a lot of things in the game world that makes no sense to me. I don't know why, after you go ahead and fly in a certain pattern and then surf up and down the coast of Cinnabar Island, Pokemon Blue, does a glitch appear and give you infinite rare candies? Or why the heck if you execute certain maneuvers in various games that it just causes the wonkiest stuff and sometimes it involves an, it results in a credit warp within a game i have no earthly idea how or why the entire game boy would just decide you know i think after posting out the entire crash i think i should just read off the entire cartridge you know what Props to the guys who went ahead and had the patience to figure this out. Because I'll tell you what, I definitely would not be one of those people. Folks, that is going to do it for this episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. 
Thank you so much for listening, and I do encourage you to check out our other content. We stream virtually every day, <laughs> even though we probably shouldn't, at twitch.tv slash eaglefalcon, and we are uploading shorts, silly things, and various other bits and bobs over at youtube.com slash eaglefalcon. No, I don't know why I said bits and bobs. That really is more of a British thing. And I'm just some guy from Wisconsin, but I just felt like it. Take care, and hopefully you enjoy the rest of your day. Bye-bye. So I got to ask, okay, if you go ahead and run this kind of filter through actual music, what kind of video game do you get? Do I get the Mortal Kombat I always wanted if I run Metallica through this filter? I've got so many questions now. And quite frankly, I think the answer almost 100% of the time is just going to be, it didn't work. Why did you think it was going to work? But at the same time, I never expected to just watch a GBA just dump out the entire contents of the ROM through its headphone jack or speaker. So never expect anything, I guess, is the answer here.